Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Third hour is here. Glad you're with us as well as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody. It's our home each and every weekday with OutKick and OutKick 360. 6th and Peabody the home for Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Shine Fest is happening tomorrow here on site, National Moonshine Day. And with this, live music, great food, exceptional drinks, Shine Fest taking place tomorrow throughout the day. Cisco. From uh, tomorrow afternoon all the way to close, which is right at 11 o'clock. It's right here, right off of 6th Avenue, 6th and Peabody, uh, with... Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. If you're in the area, definitely check it out. And if you're checking out Nashville on a trip anytime soon, swing by and say hello to us. Sixth and Peabody, massive venue. It's a city block long, and it is great for pre-gaming, post-gaming, and in-gaming uh, throughout the day and week. So we hope you'll join us the next time you're here. You can't miss us, and you can't miss Sixth and Peabody if you're coming to Nashville. Can't wait. Going to be a big day tomorrow uh, here at Sixth and Peabody with Old Smoky. So looking forward to it. Paul, the, the latest uh, OTA updates, Kyler Murray is practicing voluntarily with the Arizona Cardinals. And meanwhile, Traylon Burks made it through a practice with the Tennessee Titans today. Their number one pick from the, uh, the first round this past draft. Yeah, though he confesses that there's uh, nothing about uh, fitness. Kyler Murray surprises me. Uh, there was me no, There was no wind-up to this, no, no rumor about him showing up. A good move uh, on on uh, his behalf, I think. Um, you know, something's either going to get done or not get done, but him not being at OTAs isn't going to help his cause or his team. So, uh, you know, people don't go to OTAs, but quarterbacks generally do. I know Aaron Rodgers isn't uh, isn't at his. He's also a multiple MVP winner. He's in a different category. Um but generally speaking, quarterbacks are there. Um, the, another headline out there is Aaron Donald, and he's leveraging retirement versus getting a new contract. And I'm, I wonder how the Rams respond to it contractually because he's already the highest-paid player on defense. He's going to get the extension. The question is, how are things built in for the next time he wants to talk retirement? That, well, that's that's the I think caveat to the contract. Once. I mean, I, I think he'd like to get another defensive player of the year, which would throw him over. McLean mentioned this the other day, J.J. Watt and, um, and Lawrence Taylor. Um, that would do some separation for him in terms of all-time greatness. Yep. Um, you know, after you win a Super Bowl, you always think you're going to go back and win another one, and they certainly can contend for that this year. Um, but I don't, I, I, it strikes me as a guy that will be willing to walk away sooner rather than later. Um, he's, yeah, I mean, he's already discussing it. It's, he's closer to that than, than continue his career for another full-term contract, right? Yeah. 
And so, uh, you know, upfront money is, is usually the goal on, uh, on an extension and uh, certainly what he's looking for uh, now. And he's underpriced based on, uh, you know, he's, he's not making bad money. But for his level of play and his stature, uh, he's not making good enough money. So, Question uh, for you guys. Um, Tommy Pham, Jock Peterson, and this saga that's been going on about the Fantasy Football League. Now Mike Trout's been brought into it. Who's the commissioner of the he's league? He's the commissioner of the league. Has there been more of a joke-like story that has been treated as hard-hitting national news than this. Yeah, I was just going to say I'm done with it because I, like, I think the characterization of it has been uh, the, missed the tone. The, it. it should be fun and light, but it's not being covered I mean, as it, fun I mean, and light. It's being covered he was slapped. Like, I mean, there, there was a $10,000 buy into this league, okay? And Tommy Fan continues to, like, treat it as though he was insulted and, you know, like... Robbed. Robbed, yeah, robbed of something... Like the headline at CBS today, Mike Trout implicated in Fam Peterson fight. Now think about that headline versus the details that we know of this. He had to have a press conference today I, about it. I would also say a fight does not constitute one slap. Like we we need that is also taking it a full fledged step forward in this. A slap to me does not lead to the word fight at all. Um, the tone is off. It's it's weird. The whole the 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 way it's being uh, covered is strange to me. Um, Ten thousand dollar buy in. Okay, there was a, a player on injured reserve that um, that Peterson allegedly stashed away based on the rules. And Mike Trout's a terrible commissioner. And Tommy Fan says that you know it took money off of his table. It, it's just strange. The whole thing. Well, Jock Peterson didn't even have shoes on when he got slapped. I mean, he was walking around barefoot like he does before the game. <laughs> Uh, in the outfield, and he's just hanging out, and just a ridiculous outfit. And Tommy Pham, who called a shot, he said, I'm going to, quote, pimp smack you. The next time I see you, walked right up to him and slapped him in the face uh, over this league. I mean, it's the comic. The comical part is the league talk and how it comes across as, as parody when you hear them talking yeah. about the league and everything, that it's they're being very serious about something that should not be serious, but... The real issue to me is that Tommy Pham has no sense of humor about himself or his team or whatever he's doing. Fine. I know plenty of people who are the exact same way that have zero sense of humor about themselves. Jock Peterson thinks everything's a joke, and he plays the game of baseball that way. The dude made a pearl necklace famous in Atlanta last year during their World Series run that he wore every game, and he played very well down the stretch. He is a lighthearted, jovial I'm going to make fun of you, you can make fun of me back type of dude, and Tommy Pham isn't playing that game. And the moment that he sent back that gif of the Padres failing while they were late in the season, Pham had a big problem with it, and he's carried that throughout you know, the offseason and into this game. I mean, it's where like he it's- saw him, and it built up to where he walked out and slapped him. And it's, to me, it's a pretty cut-and-dry story. It's just that the story's being covered in a, in a weird way because we're making the fantasy league yeah. the important part of it. And to me, the fantasy league is secondary to Tommy Pham doesn't know Jock Peterson, and his mind and sensibility operates on a different plane than Jock Peterson's, who's going to joke about everything. Tommy Pham clearly jokes about nothing, especially with people he, don't, he doesn't know that well. And I, I didn't hear Mike Trout speak, but I read what he said, and I read it as joking. Well, so here's, here's the comment from Tommy Pham, though. <laughs> 
Trout's the worst commissioner in fantasy sports because he allowed a lot of bleep to go on, and he could have solved it all. Nobody wanted to be commissioner. I didn't want to be the effing commissioner. I've got other bleep to do. He didn't want to do it. We put it on him. It was kind of our fault, too, because we made him commissioner. And then going back to the slap, you know, he says, I, I looked at it like he was effing with my money along with the disrespect oh. of, the, of, the, of the text that he had sent of a sandbag. Fall, it, the guys, uh, the, the weightlifting Padres. competition, and the guys throwing sandbags over their head or a keg or whatever it was, and it fell down over the, the woman that had a Padres um, shirt on or whatever, Look, a logo. It, 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 it's, it's, it's so, so stupid. If $10,000 is that damn important to you, then don't put it up as stakes in a fantasy football league. If it's going to cause this, that your money is so important in this, I mean, these guys are so rich, I'm thinking $10,000 really isn't a big deal to them. So they can do this, be serious about it, but also have fun with it. Sounds like Tommy Pham really needed that $10,000, and he really needed those winnings. Maybe I mean, he's got some bad investments tied up in something. I don't know, it's, but it's, it's, it's just it's weird, wacko. isn't it? And it's it, wacko. And again, like that, that additional stories off of this, I don't know. I, it's, it's bizarre. Because it's being treated like it's a fan, it is a fantasy news type story that people are trying to add legs to and get some run on. Well, also, guess now what the commissioner in the league is going to come back and tell players in some sort of memo. Cool it on fantasy sports in the offseason. We don't need to be having player run leagues for ten grand to buy in. If this is going to be the cause, if this is going to be the case with all of this, there's going to be. I don't know that you can make a rule that says don't play fantasy football if you're a major league player, but I can guarantee you every club is going to get an email or a letter saying we don't need this anymore. It doesn't need to be something that's so serious that leads to altercations pregame amongst our players when they finally see each other. Well, I think most of them have a great time with it. Yeah, I think most of it's in, in a clubhouse of, of teammates, um, and, and they have a big time with it. I think this is a huge aberration. Of course. But since when does the aberration not stop everyone else from having fun? Yeah. Everyone's having fun until something goes awry. Say that every kid's birthday party I go to. Boy, that game of dodgeball in the backyard with wet feet on the pavement was a lot of fun until that kid broke his leg. And then suddenly it wasn't as much fun anymore. I mean, this is true with everything. So they're going to cut that out pretty quick. They're going to be strongly discouraged from huge buy-ins for Fantasy Football League amongst players I from mean, different teams. I think guys will do what yeah, they these want. These guys are gambling out on the flights. You know? Like, it's, again, it's just... The comments and the the headlines too are just it's being taken so so serious. weird. Um, to it, the defensive lineman Paul for uh, Stephon Tuit for the Pittsburgh Steelers announced his retirement. He's 29 years old, um, former second round pick, not that long ago. Says he's calling it a career, and it released a, a very nice statement, as you might expect, uh, to both Mike Tomlin and the Rooney family and the leadership uh, there in in Pittsburgh, but. Uh, he he had a younger brother who passed away in a car accident last June. Uh, some family things, and said it was hey, it's, it's been an honor and a privilege, but I'm out. My only hope for Omar Khan, and g- good for Stefan to it. Uh, my my only hope that my only question about these early retirements is the timing. I don't have beef with the guy retiring at all, right. but you don't want to leave your team in a in a hole at a bad time, and it's not like you can go replace somebody like that with what's on the market now. So I hope 
I have no clue what their depth chart looks like there. They're generally very good up front, but yeah. um, that could leave a hurting on you if, you if you don't have good depth at that spot and you do your team a favor by doing this you know, uh, two months ago. Prior to the draft. So they, they know going into the draft that they're thinner there than they, they might have expected. But other than that, you know, we thought this was going to be a big trend back when Patrick Willis did it. Um, the other guy from San Francisco whose name uh, fails me, Patrick Willis at least had bad feet, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Oh, the, uh, uh, the Chris, fullback, right? Or Borland? Chris Borland. Chris Borland, the yeah. linebacker. Linebacker, you know? yeah. 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 Um, and it didn't really turn into a trend, but now there are drips and drabs of guys doing mm-hmm. it. Um, late 20s, uh, the guard down in Tampa Bay did it. Um, and so, you know, I, I respect it. If you can make, uh, make some good money and get out before you think you're at real risk of CTE and, and other bodily stuff that it haunts some of these guys later in terms of being able to get out of your rocking chair as a 50 year old and stuff, or, or in your case, a 38 year old now, um, <laughs> I need that. I need that motivation. Uh, I, I, re- I respect it. Uh, I, and these guys don't seem to be doing this stuff on a whim. All of them seem to come out with really good comments about, you know, Hey, I've thought this out and, uh, you know, I've had a good time, but it's not for me anymore. And, and, uh, I, I respect the game. But it's this is the best thing for me and my family. It sounds like for him, based on his statement, you know, his brother's passing certainly played a factor. And then he went and finished his degree at Notre Dame this off season. So he has some other plans. Yeah, and he's like he has another calling after all this over the last year or so. Um, the Steelers are set up. Looking at their depth chart, they're okay. Maybe they had some in- inkling that this was coming because they drafted Demarvin Leal, the defensive lineman from Texas A and M. Uh, in the third round, which is considered great value for them based on where he was and where he fell. And he's listed right now um, as the backup to to it. So technically you could slide him in. And again, some of these guys move around on the defensive line, but they have Tyson uh, Aluoglu, and then they have Cameron Hayward. And to it was starting next to them. And now there's an open spot. That needs to be a, I mean, the Steelers always have a defensive leaning, but that needs to be a defensive football team this year. We've talked about it. Harris running the ball and the defense, and you want to but give Jeff, the quarterback as little responsibility as possible. Get TJ Watt, uh, Devin Bush. They have signed Miles Jack from Jacksonville, uh, who's a very productive player for the Jags. Uh, they, and Cam Hayward. You know, they're trying to help out their secondary a bit, but they, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick is a stud. Uh, Edmonds at safety. Yeah. Um, So down one starter, and it happens right as you're preparing to go into the final month before you have the push for uh, training camp. Um, Other headlines out there, uh, Big 12, they have their spring meetings going on, and the discussion is when are the new four coming into the league? BYU's already announced that's going to happen, not this year, but next year. But you have Houston... Central Florida and Cincinnati, who are all working to jump into the Big 12 prior to when their contracts expire with the AAC or other leagues. And in regards to them, I think the buyout itself is somewhere between 15 and 20 million to do it. And from the Big 12's perspective, if they join early, what do you do with Texas and Oklahoma, where the perception is they're going to wait until 2025, although 
I don't know if Nobody's ultimately that's that. what happens, uh, especially with a new commissioner coming in. And the fact that you could get uh, – from a business side of things, the conference, I think, is better off taking – you're wanting to encourage them to pay their buyout because that's free money for you for them breaking the contract to jump ship instead of just waiting for that deal to run out and getting nothing for it. It's kind of a trade trade now mentality. Get it have. all done as soon as you can and get for everybody, for I'd say, right? That's how I would that's how I would take it anyway. And it would benefit the SEC. And it benefits my plan that I'm yeah. about to uh, put on a tee for you guys. Uh, and you guys can chop away or agree, disagree, whatever it might be. Uh, my, my model of adding an extra game to the schedule and in doing so, I'm getting rosters tuned up for the regular season while also acknowledging that we need nine conference games with the expansion that's coming. I'll, I'll lay things out and how there's a billion dollars plus at stake if the SEC would join this model, if they would back this model for a future schedule across the Southeastern Conference. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on. We're following the SEC headlines from the SEC meetings in Destin. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw, beer, old smoky moonshine here in Nashville across the Outkick Network. So in 2020-2021, that fiscal year, the SEC reportedly made $778 million. That same time frame, the NCAA made $1.2 billion. And in thinking about the future model of what Commissioner Sankey, what other leagues may end up doing what other conferences may end up doing and what I think ends up making the most money for the conference and with money comes power and with that I, I wrote at outkick.com the SEC while they have a ton of it right now they should be about the rake and the take and looking to the sky despite already being at the top of the mountain so I have two main points of emphasis when laying out a scheduling model that I think would allow the SEC to surpass the NCAA in revenue for the next given year. We don't know about last year. I'm referencing two years ago. Number one, there's a week one cupcake matchup in the FCS that will count on their schedule. Week one's, I could have called it week zero, but I don't, I don't like week zero. Week one. And there's a mega addition to the SEC slate with all of this. So I, I went into this, guys, recognizing in this column that fans, coaches, ADs, opponents, you're all looking for different things in your fall schedule of what you want. There are some who want to keep traditional rivalry matchups. I completely understand that. Not all, but some want to keep them. The majority want to keep the traditional rivalry matchups. No matter the drop-off in talent level, there are fans who want to show up to a stadium on Saturday and watch a beatdown 
because their team's going to win and they know it. Cool. There are some fans who, on that rare occasion where Jacksonville State is challenging Auburn and they're going into overtime, you want to flip over and find that game on SEC Network. Or you want to watch ETSU Vandy. And let's be honest, no one watched that game. But there are tons of people who claim they flipped over and watched ETSU beat Vanderbilt. Um, There are some fans who want to help prop up what is a faulty and bad business model of directional schools who need to make their budget by playing SEC opponents for the pay-for-play. And they end up making $800,000 to $1 million million for taking that game. Sometimes less, sometimes more. But their budget is helped by just playing that one game on a Saturday. And... Their, their team, while they're on the bus, likely knows they're, they're going to lose this game in the SEC, but, hey, they're taking it because it's better for the school. I'm trying to take all of that. I called it the Power Five tithe. I'm taking all of that into consideration here. But my, promote, my proposal is more about the networks and creating additional content at a value that is as valuable as conference play while also trying to help teams, in this case, Shane Beamer, Paul, he proposed a, a, a idea where he wanted to play a preseason game or an exhibition game prior to the start of the regular season. I'm using that, but I'm actually counting this game. I'm adding an extra game to my schedule, a 13th game, and I'm also adding an SEC opponent to the already heavy SEC schedule going from 8 to 9, And the key here is FCS, unless you play that in week one, in my case, it's a mandatory FCS opponent in week one, you're not playing FCS throughout your schedule again. Like the the November FCS, Alabama's playing Austin P this year in November. Done. Good riddance in this model. If you're going to play Austin P, it's week one, and it's a tune-up for the regular season. FBS opponents still happen. There's two of those in my schedule, too but there will be nine SEC games. And what that creates is seven SEC-level games that are not on the schedule right now, and it would eventually be eight whenever you get the, the Texas and Oklahoma in. You're creating the most valuable SEC Saturday property for your network, and with that comes millions upon millions of dollars. And if you don't believe it, just ask the NFL. The NFL didn't ask and, and, and add a 17th game to the regular season because they wanted to see more football. They added a 17th game because their already fat and happy TV partners were willing to pay even more money for that premium product. It's already rating well. Let's add an extra week to it. And not just any week. SEC versus SEC. Because that's where the true value lies for the ESPN and the top dollar that they're, that they're paying for. SEC Network will go with this, ABC as well. Point being, I think it's a huge moneymaker. It's better than my alternative model, which I will get to in a future column, uh, because this includes every single team in the SEC playing the extra conference game, so everybody's in it for the payday at the end of the road. Not everybody's making the college football playoff off of this, but I'm not worried about the extra loss if I'm the SEC. If I'm one of these coaches that says, oh, the SEC is so tough, guys. Like, we, we can't add an extra SEC game because we're already playing a very tough schedule. That's fine. But the extra loss should not 
hurt you down the road for an expanded playoff where, let's be honest here, there will be an SEC team that does not have to play in the SEC championship game that will get into an 8, a 10, a 12, or a 14-team playoff. That's going to happen. And it's not going to be because you played an extra SEC game and made it 9 instead of 8. What they are going to make is a ton of money off of this. I hate the cupcake games. But if you're going to have them, and they're probably not going away because so many people want them, schools in particular, um, then have them. I'm with you to have them as a kind of introductory week. and you can and use it. get them over with, and I don't have to pay attention that week. That's like a preseason week that I would ignore. Me as a, as a, oh, but as see, a see, here's why I'm putting it week one. It's a guaranteed home game for every team in my conference. They are getting. You can add that to your season ticket package. You can add that to concessions. You can add that to everything involved. It's also a part of the SEC network uh, package. Um. And again, it's Maybe an extra date on the schedule where Boxer. you're getting concessions, merchandise sales, and it's a home game well, and you're, where you're getting 70000 plus on an extended schedule, and it's a win, and the, the FCS team gets paid. And To clarify, it, though, Hutton, you are adding a week to the schedule. Yes. This. this would be August 27th. This is the, your, the season's going to start that Thursday night after that. This would be... A week in August 27th of this calendar year, let's say, where you can schedule that FCS opponent to open the season if you want. There's a there's a chance to flex it in there. That's your only chance to play an FCS would be that opening week. That's it. And, and I'm saying that's our model. I mean, this model, you are playing an FCS opponent this one week out of the calendar year because you can be Shane Beamer and play your younger players for development purposes. You can show out your recruiting class if you so choose. Or you can play uh, your five-star quarterback that's a Heisman Trophy candidate. To get him ready. The game's going to count. And you, you can play them for the first half, get up 44 to nothing, and then sit them in the second half. Because in theory, that's what these games are. The, the, the pointing to the Jacksonville State-Auburn overtime games, those are few and far between. The Happy, be one State, every three years. Happy State is referenced against Michigan uh, from long ago now, it feels like. Five years ago, but it feels like five years ago because it doesn't happen every single year in that way. But when it does, you hit pay dirt because everybody is tweeting about it and you're flipping over to watch it. This can still happen in this model, and you can get the coaches happy because they're developing their roster, they're developing depth, they're getting live reps instead of just practicing outside against a, a, a dummy sled. And, and I'm being fair to what this game is, by the way. This game in November is a dummy sled game to get you ready for your rivalry matchup on Thanksgiving weekend. And I'm specifically mentioning Alabama in the Iron Bowl here. They're playing Austin P prior to taking on uh, more tough, uh, tougher conference opponents for a reason. That's why you schedule the game where you do. I'm eliminating that. It, I'm open to adding an extra bye week if you so choose, but I'm eliminating these FCS games where in the it's just not I'm I'm looking for a more watchable product and if you Throughout want if you and to me a preseason model does create a more watchable product for top tier college football if you're looking for what Shane Beamer's looking for when he joined us on the show which was he wants a tune up game to get ready to kick off the season against Clemson or whoever is on their schedule week one Appalachian State Michigan was September first two thousand seven. Yeah, I mean, I mean there, there's been tons of FCS teams that have beaten FBS teams since then. It happens every year, multiple times. It has not happened to a top-ten opponent 
like Michigan since. It's usually happening to Kansas. You know, your lower level FBS teams, Vandy. You know, those teams are going to drop one to a, a good FCS opponent almost every year. It's not unheard of uh, for that to happen. James Madison, I think, beat Virginia Tech one year, for instance. Ryan Albanese would know. Maybe they took him to overtime and lost. But, I mean, those, these, these things do happen. Um, look, I, I like it because I am more and more in favor of a nine-game SEC schedule. I like the 6-3 format, six rotating opponents, three constant rivals every year that you have on the schedule. So I like that formula for the SEC. I think how you feel about Hutton's plan comes down to how programs, their relationship with bowl games. Um, if you are Vanderbilt, for instance, that if you're Clark Lee and you get to a bowl game every year, you're, you're, you're going to get major contract renewals if you get to a bowl game at Vandy, you know, regularly. That's something that's going to be big for a program like Vandy. It's not as big or important for programs that have had more success and are capable of more success in the SEC. Here's an example. It's really hard for Vandy to get to three and six in the SEC. That's what it's going to take now in this format to get to a bowl game, and that's if they schedule three wins, the non-conference. That's the FCS, week one opponent, Hutton talked about, should be a win. That's two of your low-level FBS, mid-small conference opponents. That's three wins. You've got to go three and six now in the SEC. That's going to be difficult for a number of programs in this conference. So how important are bowl games to individual schools? How not important are they to other schools? I'm just giving you how teams are going to view that well, in, in terms of what's that, important that's to fair. them. That's fair. If I'm in the room and that comes up, if, I'm, if Vandy says that, if Kentucky says that, my response is the SEC game I'm adding to the schedule is more valuable than the Birmingham Bowl. Period. You're, you have no problem. You, you may have a problem going 3-6 and six in the conference. You have no problem cashing a $55 million check on an annual basis from this conference. That's my response. And now I'm going to add 10 to 15 million to your pocket by playing the extra game because of the TV revenue that's going to come off of the SEC exclusive content and and property that ESPN and ABC's paying top dollar for. They're already paying top dollar for it, and I'm here to tell you they will pay more if you give them an extra week of conference play. They'll no, no add doubt. to it. No doubt. And and then the question becomes how much more money does every team want to vote to take in order to get their brains beaten out one extra week? Because that's going to be the opportunity cost well, for some of these teams. Here's the All right, I'll continue to just take a beating as long as I'm making more money. Most teams, I think, would sign up for this, pro, this plan in a heartbeat because it does come down to money. With all the uncertainty around college football, there's nothing uncertain about the future of the SEC. They are going to be in prime position no matter what. So they, there's a number of different ways they could go about making more money. Then it comes down to individual institutions slash programs and what they want for goals. If it's winning more, obviously everybody wants to win more, but are you willing to take more money in order to play another game you're probably going to lose for the bottom of the conference just to make that, more, that much more money well, in a television deal? Yeah, and I so there's a secondary element to this that I had in mind as I'm going through the extra revenue made from the SEC matchup in the nine games plus the extra home game revenue is what I'm doing if I'm an AD trying to look at the financial future of the SEC individually. Chad, I'm saying I'm going to set up a schedule 
where no matter what happens with the future of name image likeness and what my donors end up doing, meaning if my some of my biggest donors or sponsors end up deciding, you know what, I'm going to donate to my college through this collective and through instead of a gift in kind that I got in the mail from my athletic department, where if those, if those dollars stop coming in, how are you making up that revenue? What this model does is guarantee you one extra home game, guaranteed, and then TV revenue off of the contract that the SCC matchup will allow you to continue to cash checks with. That, so you're, you're guaranteed that money, even if you take a step back. And, and, and that's a big if. I don't know what happens here with how people decide to donate to their college anymore. Because they may view it as, I'm donating to, I'm donating to Auburn because I'm supporting the quarterback who decided to go here instead of donating to the athletic department that's going to disperse that money however they see fit. My point being, where, where Auburn can rake in, and every SE school, Vandy, Kentucky, everybody, maybe not Vandy, I've seen their home attendance, is with the extra home game and the extra SEC matchup. So I'm, I'm guaranteeing you revenue before you even play a down just by adding two games. And I, the guaranteed FCS, which, again, you can do that, you can approach it multiple ways, uh, but it's uh, fans will show up, we know that. Um, and then the extra SEC game creates, you're able to, without a doubt, Keep your rivalry matchups if you really want to go down that path. And it also presents some really intriguing storylines down the season with some head-to-head matchups that we maybe wouldn't get if we have an eight-game instead of a nine-game model. Well, six and three takes care of the rivalry matchups already, no? Yeah, as long as you're going to have the contract. Like, if, if you're going to keep the rivalry matchup with Alabama, Tennessee, and who, would el- who well, else would I, it be? I took, I took a stab at this. I'll, I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you a few examples, all right? And, and this is where it's not perfect because no matter how you slice it, you're going you're gonna to lose some big-time rivals that you play every year. Right. Example, Tennessee's not playing Florida anymore under it this. It depends on which rival the, you're saying you're keeping. Yeah, the, the model I have would have Tennessee facing every year Kentucky, Vandy, Alabama. Vandy would face Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri. For instance, Kentucky would face Tennessee, Vandy, Florida. And you try to make this as equitable as possible by the way the conference is broken out. You're going to get two good opponents, one not-so-good opponent in terms of history, right? I tried to do that for every team. But even in doing that, you're going to lose some big-time games that you think about every year. Tennessee, Kentucky, Vandy, Bama. I think in any, any formula, Kentucky's playing Tennessee, Vandy's playing Tennessee. Because those are two of the longest-running games going. Yep. Um, an example, Tennessee and Kentucky have played more than 100 times. Tennessee's played Florida like 48 or well, 50 you times. you played Florida every total. other year. That's the other beauty, beauty here is that you play everybody else at least every other year. Or every other year. Yes. Uh, yeah, because yeah, it's 6 Yeah, and pretty six. much. Yeah, now it's 16. Yep. So that's 16. Yeah. You can make that work, yep. Um, yes, that, that's true. Look, I think Greg Sankey would look at this and say, more money, yes, please. Let's do it. And I think he would easily well, sign up for it. And I, think most, say, Chad, he, I think most programs would sign up for it. I'm trying to look for the outlier problems with this schedule. Well, here's the outlier problem with this schedule is some teams are going to say, I want to schedule my weakling when I want it. And it's kind of a bye week for me, and I want it as a breather between 
Alabama and Georgia or whenever right. I want. Yeah. And, that, that, and, and that's, that's going to be natural. The other one I would come up with is if you told me that we're now just going to have three non-conference opponents and teams are coming back and saying, you know, we value the gate we can get from a big non-conference opponent. If you told me that Tennessee said, you know, Tennessee and Pitt now is no longer going to happen. If Ole Miss said, we can't schedule Georgia Tech now because of this, this game. I don't buy that. Because really what's going to be sacrificed is Troy and not that game right. off their schedule. But if every team was actually scheduling two Power 5 non-conference opponents and now one of those is sacrificed, okay, I can see the value in that. And if I, every team went about it and said, we want to have two games a year against other Power 5 schools and that's going to put this, now we got to do that and have the FCS game to start if we did that formula. I really don't think – I think teams would be dishonest if they said that, but that's something I would listen to at least. The, 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 those at the, in the upper tier of the conference. So let's look at Alabama and Georgia because we recently saw them play for a title. They would say – I'm predicting. They would say, well, we're already, as it is, having to play 15 games to win a national title. Because you're playing the SEC championship and then you have to play in the semifinal to get to the championship and win it. Well, with conference expansion, uh, excuse me, with uh, playoff expansion, you're adding a game to that championship pursuit. And you're and again, I'm, I acknowledge the SEC championship makes a boatload of money. That's not going anywhere. So you're asking to add on not just a, an extra week at the beginning of the season. You're saying you also tack on an extra SEC opponent other, where otherwise they would be scheduling an, an FBS opponent like a Troy, a Western Kentucky, uh, whatever it might be. So that, that's the counter. I would say, well, if you're looking to split things evenly across the conference every year, right now you're dividing by 14, and soon you're going to be divided by 16. And I would argue, too, soon you're going to be dividing by 18 or 20. So... Tell me where the TV revenue is coming in, and I can tell you Alabama Troy on SEC Network at 11 a.m. on a random November Saturday versus Alabama and Kentucky. One is far more valuable to a television network that can scatter it across four, five, six different cable, cable channels if they so choose well, and it, sell ads and sell home revenue, the whole thing. Well, and an, another topic for another day. Kentucky, Missouri. Can, Kentucky, we, Missouri. I shouldn't even mention BAM in my argument. Yeah, we can spin off of this and, and talk about it. Not only the revenue of the added game for every team, the revenue of a four-team SEC playoff. Right. To get to, you get the added home game for the, you know, the top seeds, then you play an SEC championship game in Atlanta or wherever, neutral field, you're raking all the money for that. Something else we got to talk about at some point. ESPN is starting to not make as much money. It's not making as much sense. They're losing homes every year. These rights fees are going to go down at some point. I get that there's streaming options now that still drive up the bargaining and drive up the price for them, but if you are truly seeing the future as Greg Sankey, you better start thinking about an SEC-only streamer. But You better start thinking about making money and creating it in your own revenue streams for your product and how you charge people for it. Because I don't think that just the grab bags of cash from these networks, are going to be there forever. Well, but it will be there m much longer with a setup that ensures that, other than the NFL, there is no property more valuable than the Southeastern Conference. 
So if ESPN is going to start cutting back, it's going to be with their billion-dollar partnership with the UFC, or it's going to be with their Major League Baseball games that they're streaming on ESPN+, Plus, or all the other college football games that they're streaming on Saturday. Point being, the first thing you're slashing isn't going to be the SEC. And especially if you, if you believe that they're going to continue to expand and the door remains propped open for more teams to join after Texas and Oklahoma start raking in all the cash too. See, that's where, uh, you know, talking about that still playing everybody every, at least every other year. Yeah. That's where I become cautious about continuing to expand at a certain point. You can overexpand in terms of being a league your, where you see each other enough to be you, a league. But what Chad's saying, if you expand large enough, eventually you become your own football entity where you crown your own national champion and you have a exclusive television network for your league. Yeah, you go to let's say twenty or twenty four teams. You know, you add Virginia Tech and Miami and Clemson, and you regulate how you want and to go regulate. down the list. Florida State. And then you end up, that's 20. Then I could go pick four more, cherry pick four more programs. And then you have an eight-team tournament that decides your champion. And then that champion just, it's like the AFL versus NFL. That champion will play the winner of everyone that's left. And you've created your own college football yeah. at that point. But that's, a, I, I'm with you. The only reason to expand to me for the good of the game is to say, we Regular. now have to be college football. Because right. it's untenable the way it's going. You set the So we're going to take control of it, and we're going to have our own super conference that rivals the NFL, but it's college. And it's around the same amount of teams that you have, and you have your own champion every year. Man, it's hard not to look at what Amazon just paid for a Thursday night football package and see that the SEC can do something similar. And that's, that's one game per week for 17 games that Amazon's paying a billion dollars for in 2022. Yep. That's crazy. And now you can create a miniature version of that, and it's not so many, with just the people that are in the room down in Destin. Uh, coming up, we'll get you set for the television viewing for tonight's sports watching. That is straight ahead on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Appreciate everyone tuned in across the OutKick network today for OutKick 360. Shout out to our great radio partners like Sports Radio 104.7 in the Upper Cumberland, Somewhere Sports Radio in Joplin, Missouri. We also say hello uh, to another original, which is Fox Sports Shoals. They've been on board since day one. Fox Sports Shoals in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Uh, we need to take Nick Martin up on his offer to broadcast uh, live from Muscle Shoals in those state-of-the-art historic studios where... The legends have recorded. That would be a blast. Also, shout out to Florence and Huntsville, Alabama. I love, love, love the decor of the Fox Sports Shoals station. When we swung by there, Hutton, it's very uh, mid-60s to late 60s. Guitars on the wall. Furniture, guitars. Like you walk through, and I think, you know, Elvis probably walked through this uh, this studio at some point and did an interview. It's really cool. Big River Broadcasting. Um, 
We've got uh, plenty of coverage headed your way tomorrow. Uh, Armando Salguero will be on the show. I uh, spoke too soon on Trey Wallace joining us tomorrow. He is driving back from Destin right in the middle of our show. So he'll join us with some news and notes and takeaways on Friday. Uh, but nonetheless, plenty of SEC coverage uh, and headlines as we react to a lot of the coaches. And, and, re- and, and reaction, reaction to the match tomorrow also. Oh, the match, yes. The match. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers taking on Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, and that uh, tees off in a little over 30 minutes from now. Hey, one quick thought. Watching Avs Oilers last night, I was highly entertained. But I'm also watching and thinking, am I seeing really great offense or just horrific goaltending? It was hard to tell at times. I mean, it was like, this looks like an all-star game in terms of the defense being played. What the NHL has done this postseason is what the NBA missed out on, in my opinion. And that's developing the young stars on national TV on a nightly basis. The guys that were producing last night have done this now for a month and a half through the postseason. Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl are unbelievable. And then you have uh, McKinnon and the whole group with Colorado that seems unbeatable at times. They, it's fantastic to watch. And it's not always 9-6 or whatever the final score is. It's 9-6. Yeah. It's not always like that. Aaron Judge climbing the wall to rob Otani yesterday was a sight. Yankees are rolling. We are Braves back are not, at it but tomorrow for the Thursday edition. Thank you for joining us across the Outkick Network. For Outkick 360. We employ you. Don't block the box. Do lock your locks. <laughs>